0: As I prepared this message for the last, uh, actually, several weeks, because I like to go into a, a series, and I've been longing to get to this point, because we're going to close out chapter 25, and we'll move on to something else as time goes on, as long as I'm here as your, as your uh, uh, fill-in pastor. so, um, And of course, as you're thinking through messages, oftentimes, you know, there's people that come to mind, and say, like, boy, they need to hear that one. And the thing is, that none of those people are here this morning. So... Uh, <laughs> So anyway, but you're getting this anyway, okay? You don't need this, but you're going to get it because that's what I got. Okay, here we go. I'm going to call, I called this the faithful servant. There's a story that's told of a, a king's personal servant who went for a walk in the woods. And uh, as he was walking along, he stumbled and rolled down a hill and, and slipped into a, a cave that had been hidden. And of course, with his eyes adjusted to the light, he saw at the bottom of his feet this shining lamp. So he picks it up, there's dust on it. <laughs> this is not a biblical story, okay? So he picks it up, and, he, and he's knocking the dust off of it. And sure enough, poof, here comes this genie, right? And this genie says to him, hey, uh, I'm going to give you one wish. Not three, but one. The other guy got three. You only get one. So he says, uh, okay. And he said, what, what can I do for you? And he said, you know, he said, I have been a servant all of my life. In fact, I'm known as a servant to the king and the servant to the kingdom. And uh, not that I've minded that, but I would really like to be served rather than serving. So I want the tables to turn. I want people to do everything for me for a change. So the genie says, okay. The guy gets up and he goes back to the castle, and as he enters in, it's just as he desired. He was no longer allowed to perform any work at all. Everything was done for him. Now, for a period of time it was fantastic he really liked that but um, after about three months the boredom became unbearable and so he went to the cave and he got a hold of the lamp and sure enough the genie pops out he says uh, to the genie I, I'd like to know I want to get back to the way I was um, I, I want to serve others he says so much more rewarding to do things for other people in fact I would rather be in hell than not be able to serve others. The genie said, where do you think you have been for the past 90 days? <laughs> in chapter 24 and 25, Jesus begins answering the question, what is the sign of the end of the world, and when are you going to return to set up your kingdom? And they were all hoping that it would be soon, and how many of you have prayed that way lately? When you look at the news and you see all the junk that's in the world, you go, Jesus, come quickly, right? We wanted to come back sooner than later. But Jesus, in answering this question, what is the sign of the end of the world? But he says that they were kind of maybe a little bit off in their figuring when it was going to happen. They were hoping it would be sooner, but he's kind of letting them know that, no, it's really going to be later. So after telling them some of the signs, and we went through those here a few the last last month, but he turns the disciples' attention on a long on a long wait, and what they should be doing while they're waiting. It's interesting that the word wait can be like waiter, like a servant, and um, and he's telling them that it's going to be a long wait. But he was reminding them to stay focused on what they needed to be focused on, rather than when it's all going to happen. And all the signs and things that we, we like to dig in and find out what all those signs are. And yet, sometimes in the process of that, we forget what our purpose is. Uh, the church has lost, in America, has lost its has lost its focus. It's lost its purpose, I believe. Uh, we're, we haven't become servants as much as we become uh, takers. We're not givers as much as we are takers. What's in it for me? I don't want to serve, I want to be served. Now, that's in, that tendency is in all of us. In fact, after the, right after the, um, the, the, the communion service, the very first communion that he had with them at the Passover, the very next thing that was happening, the disciples were beginning to argue on who was the, who was the greatest. So, it happens. It happens with the early disciples who were right there with Jesus, and it happens with us. We want to be greater than, and we expect to be served rather than to serving other people. So the Lord is telling them six parables that help to help them stay focused. And I believe there's six of them for a reason, because it needs we need to be reminded as well. So we're going to take a look at those uh, those six. And it's really discipleship and serving the Lord, and being saved, is all about faithfulness and service. What God is expecting from us is faithfulness and service, or maybe faithfulness in service. So let's take a look at them. Now, we covered a couple of these, and I won't go through in detail the first couple, three, because we've kind of looked at these before. But Matthew 24, verse 25, uh, through 25, talks about the parable of the faithfulness and service. And the first one was a thief in the night. And when he's saying to them and to us is look all the all the things were given to this steward and he was expected to do something with it, but because the Lord delayed, so the message there is it's going to be a long time in coming. So at the same time keep watch. And in the scripture tells us in Matthew chapter twenty-six, Jesus said this to his disciples the night he was going to be uh crucified, the night he was going to be betrayed, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Remember, they all fell asleep? And, and we do. We have a tendency, to, we get tired, and we just kind of get drowsy, and, and so we nod off, as it were, in our, uh, in our calling. We, we nod off in our assignment. We nod off in what God has, is expecting out of us. And uh, so, instead of keeping watch, we, we fall asleep. And the Lord's coming like, like a thief in the night. Now, he's not a thief. There's one thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy, and that's the devil himself. Jesus is not a thief. He's just saying, it's going to be like that when I come. If the, if the head of the house would have known when the thief was coming to plunder his goods, he would have kept watch. Don't let the, the real enemy of your soul plunder the goods that God has given to each one of us. Plunder the resources that God has given us. Remember that our spirit is often willing. You feel that inside sometimes when, when God is asking you to do something? Well, my spirit's willing, but my flesh is really weak. I don't know that I can do that. I don't know that, that, uh, that, that I want to do that. That's the flesh speaking. So he goes in and talks about an, another, the unfaithful servant. Uh, uh, we expect a, a long delay, so keep working. And, uh, and that's in Matthew 24, 45 through 51. But Galatians tells us, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. We all know the law of the harvest, don't we? We should. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of the faith." So there again, uh, doing good, doing good deeds is, uh, is really an important aspect of identification of those that are serving the Lord. You can't serve the Lord and not serve others. So if there's a long delay, keep working. Then he goes to another parable. Now remember, parables are likes. They're just likes. It's like this. Okay, so then last week, We talked about, or two weeks ago, the wise and the foolish disciples are the ten virgins, five foolish and five not so foolish. Five wise kept oil in their lamp, the five didn't keep oil in their lamp, and so they had lamps, but what good's a lamp if it doesn't shine, right? So the idea there is to stay full of oil, or in this case for us as believers to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18, Paul tells us, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is wickedness corruption, stupidity. Now, that's from the uh, Amplified Bible. But be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by Him. And then again in Galatians chapter 5, He says to us, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. There's a conflict inside of us. And um, the Spirit of God and the flesh are, are, are always in conflict. You can't add flesh to what the Spirit of God is wanting out of our life. We can't add those two together. They don't mix. It's like oil and water. It, it just doesn't, it just won't mix. You can't have flesh and, and spirit uh, we are in the flesh, this body, but if we try to do things of the flesh and the works of the flesh and the deeds of the flesh and somehow still stay full of the Spirit, those things won't work. And, it, and today, again, we, we try to blend that. We try to pour in the impurities of the flesh into the work of the Spirit. And maybe that's why we don't have the, the things uh, that, that God really wants to, to do in our lives. Maybe that's why we're not having the successes that we want to have I know in per, my personal life if I try to mix the Holy Spirit with my flesh and, and I'm in conflict with that and I operate in the flesh but I'm somehow expecting that the Spirit's gonna ride along with me it's not gonna work it just never works because there's a uh, they just don't mix There's just no way that they will righteousness and unrighteousness will not mix all right so uh, we need to stay filled with the Spirit of God we all know that right that's, uh, that's, like I say, this is not for any of you here. Everybody, this is for somebody else. All right, then, then he goes on and he says, uh, the good and the no good servants. And uh, the rewards are for the faithful. He talks about faithfulness and unfaithfulness in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. And uh, rather than reading that, that whole thing, I'm just going to remind you of the story. A, a, a king or a person, a landowner, went on a long trip. He's going to be gone for some time. So he took, some, he took his servants, then he really gave his servants everything that they needed. All of his possessions were theirs, but what he did is he took one of them and he gave five talents. The other one he gave two talents, and the other one he gave one. And so when he came back, he expected that there was going to be something done with him. Now, a talent is, is not really a, an amount. The talent is a talent is a weight, and, and sometimes the things that God asked each one of us to do uh, can be like a weight on us when you stop and think about it. The, the, the weight of ministry, the weight of, of your calling, the weight of your assignment, your, the weight of saying, God, this is what you're calling me to do, but this is what I would rather do. That, that there's a weight that's there. So in that respect, I, uh, I, I like that idea of the, the talent being the weight. So there's a weight that God lays upon us, uh, we used to call it back in the old days, we called it the burden like what 's your burden do you, have a, do you have a burden? People would just gather around the altars and pray for a burden. God, show me the burden, and that burden would be, do I have a burden maybe it 's for souls do I have a Do I have a burden to be uh, to, to do some some work for you? Do I have a burden for my family uh, do I have a, a burden for Africa do I have a burden for it? whatever that burden is but we pray God give us a burden give us the weight that of, of a ministry assignment and God used to give that to people I don't know why he doesn't anymore maybe, maybe not you I'm talking about those other people so you you know because you're here on a blizzardy day so you guys you guys get it those other people we thank God that we're not like those other people, don't we? All right, so the weight of ministry is upon us. And he, there's one of them, the, the guy that had five, the master comes back and he says, okay, what's, what's going on? He holds them accountable. See, in the kingdom of God, there's accountability. And we forget that. We, don't, we really don't like accountability in, uh, in, to be held accountable for everything. We want to blame or excuse or something else. But there's accountability, and the master will return and hold each person accountable for what he's been given. Some have received five, some have received two, and some have received one. According to the abilities, he doesn't, God doesn't love one person less or more. That's not what he's saying. He says, I just give some more based on what they're able to do with it and what he expects to get back from it. So the guy that had the five, he says... I took five, and I made five more. Here's ten. And the Lord says, two him what? Well done, right? Thou good and faithful servant. Man, don't you want to hear that? When accountability time comes, would not you just love to hear that? Well done, good and faithful servant. All right, so then the other guy comes up with the, the two, and he says, look, you gave me two, and I turned it around, and I made two more. And the Lord says... Well, come on, well done, you good and faithful servant. Now, the, the issue here is not what he did necessarily as much as the faithfulness of taking what God gave him and did something with it. Faithfulness is the issue of that parable, not, not work. It's faithfulness, faithful for what God has given to each one of us. Am I faithful? am i faithful for what god has granted to me am i faithful with the gifts and the talents that he's given to me am i faithful whether it's natural uh, abilities or am i faithful with that for even that comes from god doesn't it am i am i faithful in what god has given to me and, and am i doing something with it well done good and faithful servant now there was one other guy though who had one that's all he just had one and so comes to give an account, and he says, you know, I know that you're a hard man. <laughs> really? that You, you reap where you don't even sow. You're, you're hard. So I, I took that one th- thing that you gave me, that one talent, and I just buried it in a napkin, and here it is. I dug it up. I knew you were coming back. Here you are, and I knew I was going to be held accountable, so here you are. Just take back what's yours. And the Lord said, didn't say, well done, you good and faithful servant. He said, <laughs> he said, his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. That's not the words that you really want to hear when the Lord holds you accountable. We don't want to hear wicked, lazy slave. Now, there's, a lot of pe- there's a lot of reasons that people give, or rather not reasons, excuses for not being a faithful servant. Jealousy is one of them. Well, I only got one. If they'd have given me five, man, look what I could have done with five. I only, he only gave me one. He doesn't like me as much as he liked Lois or Jacob. Jacob's got ten talents already, and I've only got two. Why would he give him ten and me two? I don't, I don't like it. So, so we're jealous. Who's the greatest? We're, we get jealous over what somebody else has. If I had what Craig has, boy, I could, do, I could have done a whole lot more than what he did even, but I don't have that. If I could sing like, like Jacob or John, if I could sing like that, my goodness, I could have been, you know, I could have gone to Nashville, witness for Jesus or something, you know. I could have done something more, but I didn't have that ability. I'm not, you know, people don't ask me to come and sing. I don't, I don't know why. They don't even ask me to sing happy birthday to them. And... But was all kinds of excuses that we have, uh, misunderstandings about who the king is, that's what this guy had. He didn't really understand what he had in Christ. He didn't understand who the king was. He, he saw him through a different lens. He saw him as, as somebody that was just uh, uh, hard and hard to work for. So why even try? Sometimes people get angry or bitter in ministry and they stop. They just quit. Or there's an attitude that says, well, it really doesn't matter. I'm just uh, under the blood of Jesus and so everything's cool. Everything's fine well yeah we are he's not talking about that he's not talking about a salvation issue but he's saying are you going to be a faithful servant you know it wouldn't have mattered how much this guy was given because he wouldn't have done anything with it if he had 10 talents or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 it doesn't matter because the scripture says if you're faithful in a lot of things you'll be faithful no it says if you'll be faithful in little things you'll be faithful with much so you have to be faithful with whatever God gives you, whether it's little or it's much. It's not the issue. Be faithful with what God gives you. If you're faithful with little, he'll give you more. In fact, there's another passage of scripture that says, if, if you're faithful with that, uh, with that that belongs to someone else, God will give you your own. You have to be faithful in the, what somebody else has what somebody else has given to you, for God to give you your own. I remember a lot of young pastors who try to do that. They, they're, you know, they're second chair or, or just part of a ministry team. And it seemed like they would try to undermine the pastoral authority a lot of times or the authority of the church, and then, and yet they want their own ministry. It's like, you no, know, unless you learn how to operate in the what belongs to somebody else and is faithful to what belongs to somebody else, God will never give you your own. And I could go on and on with that, but I'm not going to. All right. So for the Scripture says in Matthew 25, 49, for to everyone who has, more shall be given. Yay! What's the reward for doing good with whatever God gives you? More. More. But isn't that, isn't that awesome? What farmer wouldn't want to plant something in the ground and have more come? We want more, don't we? You've got to be faithful for what you put in. God is not mocked. The law of the harvest is still there if you, you sow and then you reap. But when you reap, you always reap more than you sow. Same thing holds true with our talents and our gifts. Everyone who has, more shall be given And he will have an abundance, but from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. All right, then he moves into another one about just sheep and goats. Sheep and goats divided really isn't a parable there, but it's just sort of a a passing over into the next lesson that he has for us. But all the way through here, he's he's saying something to us. Faithfulness, service, faithful servanthood, faithful in what God has given to us. Faithful, being held accountable and faithfulness is at the bottom of it. Faithfulness. So the sheep and goats are divided. So the idea there is you want to stay with the sheep. If you read through that, you'll, find, you'll soon discover that being a goat is not good. I don't want to be a goat. I don't even want to be an old goat. I think in, when Sharon was doing the kids things, um, Camp Daniel, we, Sing a song. Remember that, Mary? I don't want to be a I don't want to be a goat. I want to be a sheep, right? Ba 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 And those fluffy little kid lambs would be bouncing around. You know, I want to be a sheep. How's it go? I don't even know. It doesn't matter. You won't ask me to come back and sing it for you anyway. <laughs> the sheep and the goats said, so You want to stay with the sheep. You want to be a sheep. You wanna be you wanna be a sheep. I wish that God would have called us lions were the lions at his right hand or a cougar something you know, a wolverine something anything better than a sheep dumb sheep my first pastor I had a sheep herder, sheep farmer he said I want you to drive to Chamberlain with me I'm going to buy sheep today okay so I loaded up his double decker and away we went to buy sheep went into the Sale barn there, and he buys 1,000 sheep. I don't know how many, but a lot of them. Anyway, he buys all this, and he says, I'm going to go and pay for the sheep. You go out and load them up. I can handle that, or I'm a shepherd. So I back up that double-decker to the gate, and all them cowboys with their boots are standing there and their hats and sucking on the straw like cowboys do, you know. Got their one foot up on that lower fence rail. And they're watching me, and I'm watching them, and I'm out there trying to get them sheep into that trailer. And I am getting more and more frustrated. And they're just standing there laughing at me, looking at me with the big cowboy grins on their faces with their belt buckles that are about this big. And they're standing there watching me, and finally one of them says, uh, you got to take one of them and shove him in the hole, and the rest will follow. Really? So I got a hold of Little Fluffy and I shoved her in that hole, stood back and they all went I learned something about pastoring that day. <laughs> if I can just get one of you kick through that hole, the rest will follow. That's the success of my ministry, it has been right there. All right. So when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels will be with him then he will sit on his glorious throne all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. You always want to be on the right. You always want to be a sheep. Alright, so the Lord separates the righteous from the unrighteous when he comes. Now, the unrighteous righteous and the unrighteous are noted because of their notable service. That's what that's saying. There's something that makes them righteous. That's the, the the identity of faith in Christ. But there's something that's notable about the righteous. And he notices their service. And he says to them, what's, what's the service? They're what is their service and he goes on and he says in Matthew 25 35 and 36 and the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world listen carefully now for i was hungry and you gave me something to eat i was thirsty and you gave me something to drink i was a stranger and you invited me in naked and you clothed me i was sick and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. That's the mission. And they said, Lord, when did we see you? And he said, The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. Listen, friends, the king is in disguise. You could call this the parable of the king in disguise. The king's already here, he's in disguise. And sometimes we don't even know it. In fact, the scripture says that sometimes we entertain angels unaware. Don't even realize it. Interesting, huh? He's already here, so if he's already here, I need to serve him by serving others. Faithfully. How do I serve Jesus? Faithfully. By faithfully serving others. Wow, does that smack us in the face today when we are more consumed with ourselves and selfies and selfishness? Does that does that smack against everything that we know? I don't want to serve anybody. I want to be served. Missions is about serving other people. What's the mission that God has given to Calvary Church? Serving others. What's the mission, the purpose that God has placed in your life? Serving others. We serve because we are saved. There is something notably different about us than the rest of the world who just wants to sit and soak. We serve. So, and my job as a pastor, and your next pastor, leadership, and your in your boards, leadership, is to grab a hold of one of you fluffies and shove you through the hole. <laughs> and maybe the rest of you, maybe the rest will follow. It only takes one. It only takes one to begin. To say, you know what, I'm going to serve. Where can I? Maybe it's my age. I don't know, but. It, in my, in my experiences with the church, people were just so anxious to just jump in and do something. They just wanted to get involved. Whatever. I want to do something for Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. There's something wrong with it if you're earning your salvation through it. Yeah, that's wrong. But to say, hey, I want to do something for Jesus, and, and, and I don't even care if it's noticed. In fact, what you do in secret, Jesus said, I'll shout it from the housetops. Because he sees that, that gift of helping somebody that's in need when you run across it. It doesn't just have to be what you throw in the offering, but he sees the heart of faithfulness to say, I'm going to take what you gave me, God. I'm going to take the resources that you gave me, the gifts and the talents that you gave me, and it can be financial resources as well. Go figure, huh? There's a lot of other resources that we have. But we find those that have need of what I have, and then you give to that need. That's serving other people. Maybe there's teachers among you that need to teach. Maybe there's disciples among you that you've been a disciple all your life, and isn't it time for you to become a discipler, to disciple other people? Even in the, in, the, in the book of Timothy and in Titus, when the, the requirements are there for, uh, for the requirements for board members, deacons, and elders, the gift of hospitality, the gift of serving, the serving, serving, servings, all the way through that. If they don't have service, they're disqualified for leadership. Whoa. I'm reminded of Tabitha and... Dorcas was another name for her in the book of Acts where they came to her, they came to Peter and said, you, you got to come over here and heal this woman, she's dead. And, and Peter's going, whoa, I don't know about that. But the reason that they said, come and, come and lay hands on her, Peter, come, come and do something with her is because she sacrificed her life to give to the saints. She made clothing. She, she was a quilt maker. She made, she made clothing for the saints. The scriptures are just full of places where God did something really special for those who were serving faithfully and not just seeking to have something just for them. Dear ones, we are in a... The church has moved into a consumer mentality. It's brought on by believing all the stuff that's in the world, that it's all about me. That's infiltrated itself, worked its way in and God help us. We want to see the things that God, that we want to have God do in our midst and in our lives and the power working through us to change other people's lives and to set other people free. you got to serve. you got to have a heart that's broken for the lost if you're going to save the lost. Otherwise, you walk right by them, they are still lost. We'll never open up our mouth. We won't say anything we have to have a heart for another generation of kids that's coming up that don't have much going for them as far as anything happening in the family, and, and, I mean, and I mean that sincerely, there's just nothing happening in there about helping children understand the word of God the Bible is rarely opened in homes anymore when you talk to, to kids even in, in, in classes, and no, no matter where they're from, you ask them, do you read the Bible? Nope. Uh, Does your family pray together? Absolutely not does mom and dad kneel down beside you at bedtime and pray for you? Nope. Is, is, is the scriptures ever opened at the table anymore? No. We don't have time for that because we're all on our phones. Now I'm not crabbing here. I'm just saying those are. That's just the reality of where we are. But something's got to change. Am I a servant? Are you a servant? Let's pray. There's an old chorus, and we're not going to sing that here, but an old chorus that says, I will serve you because I love you, for you have given life to me. I was nothing before you found me, you have given life to me. Heartaches and broken pieces, ruined lives are why you died on Calvary. Your touch is what I long for, and you have given life to me. Dear ones, may the Lord do something fresh in all of our lives may he bring back that idea that God I will serve you just simply because I love you